I'm Ron Weir. I'm a member of the ministry team here. Welcome to church this morning. And I was thinking after the first service, how awesome is it that we get to go to church on Sunday morning? Are you guys thinking that too? I mean, what do, what do some people do on Sunday morning? It can't be nearly this much fun. I mean, they think they need more sleep or whatever they need, but this is so great to be able to do this on Sunday morning. So it's so great to see all of you here. We have a very special guest speaker this morning. And uh, you heard uh, Jenna Treichler, who did such a great job with the announcements this morning, mention that we were going to hear from Adam Croft. Adam Croft is the area director for a ministry, a really great ministry some of you may have heard of called InterVarsity. Well, Adam, this morning, just by, you know, God's mysterious ways of working, he was sick this morning pretty bad. So uh, the Lord called up a backup designated hitter, uh, designated, uh, you know, backup here, Aaron we're going to hear from Erin this morning, Erin Colley, who is just amazing. She is going to inspire you with uh, a very powerful message that she, we get to hear in the first service as well. And if you don't know what InterVarsity is, InterVarsity is a very dynamic, vibrant campus ministry uh, working to establish uh, witnessing faith communities and conversations on local college campuses. Erin uh, and her team with Adam, they think and pray uh, routinely for college students specifically, and how they can help them to explore their faith. Uh, her, this morning, her thoughts and her ideas and the message that she has for us, I pray, will help us to begin thinking more and uh, hopefully becoming more passionate and effective for how do we have those kinds of conversations with young people in our lives, but as Erin will share, everybody that God puts in our path. Uh, how can we help folks navigate that journey of faith more effectively? Now, I have some experience on this uh, front because I have three kids, who, two of whom are out of college, one of whom is just about to enter college. So they're right in that age uh, range. And all I can tell you, for those of you with kids or with uh, young people in your lives, you know, we have to at times cling to the promise in the Bible where it says, raise up a child in the way he or she should go, and they will return to it because... You know, even those of us who have raised our children in Christian homes their whole lives, this faith has to be theirs. It can't be their parents, right? And uh, so we've had the whole, you know, the whole spectrum with our three kids in terms of where they've been and where they're at. And at times it can be discouraging. Um, Cheryl and I also at different seasons over the 20 years we've been in the church have worked in student ministry. And we've had just incredible experiences with uh, young people coming to a personal saving faith and knowledge and belief in Christ and others who unfortunately didn't, didn't choose that path. But how about last week? Could there be any more powerful and exciting a thing than to see that many of the baptisms be students, be young people, right? I was just blown away. And I was reflecting on baptism, and it's like without fail, when I watch a baptism and I, I, I see someone baptized and share their story, I just stopped crying. And I can remember that when my kids were born, and, and, the, and, the, and as soon as the baby comes out, you just, you don't know why exactly, you just stop crying. And that's how I felt, and I was like, wow, well, of course. This is new life, just like that, right? And it's just such um, an inspiring thing to be a part of because it reminds us of just how relevant and how critical and how beautiful new life in Christ is, and, and there's nothing that we could want more. So this morning, I pray that through Aaron's sharing, and also we're going to hear from Michelle Cash. And Michelle and Dan, some of you may know them. They're part of our church family. 
Michelle found uh, InterVarsity, became a part of their team through her uh, time as a student at Bryant University. And uh, I think you'll leave today feeling very empowered. We've been talking about Kingdom Come. And you may recall the four sort of quadrants that Brandon's been teaching on what he calls the life rules. And you know, at the bottom was community, at the top was worship, off to the left was rest, and then mission off to the right. Could there be any more important mission for us as Christians than being able to have effective conversations with young people, any people, uh, as they navigate their faith and explore their faith? Could there be? When we talk about bringing his kingdom, particularly we're talking about young people and students, we're talking about the, the here and now and the future of the kingdom, right? When Brandon talks about praying for our children's children's children, that legacy of faith and the impact that it can have down into our family for generations to come, but also in our community. I mean, we are the salt and light. We are the ones that are called to care and love for our community. And so if we don't pay that forward, if we don't have that as a passionate call on our lives, then what will this community look like 50 years from now? Right? Even less than that. What will this community look like 20 years from now? So on that note, I just want to share one quick scripture, and then I'm going to call up Aaron. And how many of you have seen uh, the movie Case for Christ? Just a show of hands. Anybody? Excellent. A few of you. I can't uh, recommend it enough. I saw it last weekend with my wife, and it was just incredibly moving. It's the true life story of Lee Strobel, who was a um, legal journalist for the Chicago Tribune, uh, his wife becomes a Christian as the very um, early Willow Creek Community Church was starting in a, uh, in a cinema in downtown Chicago. And through her faithful persistence before God, um, her husband, who, who was an atheist, Lee Strobel, finds the Lord. And it's just such a powerful movie. Uh, it's done incredibly well. And it just left my faith uh, really sort of... Uh, you know, motivated in a big way, in a new way, and my desire to be able to share my faith also uh, was very motivated in a big way. So one of the scriptures they, they would talk about often in the early days of Willow, and, and this was something I learned through the movie, was John 1, verse 12. And I hope this is a blessing to you, and then I'm going to turn it over to Aaron. It reads like this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a scene in the movie where a woman is sharing her faith and this person comes to a personal knowledge of Christ and is on his knees praying. And she says, now read these words, receive, believe, become. You do realize you are now a child of God. And it was just this very powerful scene. And so I hope that scripture is a blessing to you, but I know what's gonna be an even bigger blessing to you is Aaron, who I wanna call up now. Aaron. Good morning. Good morning. So I found out at 7 a.m. this morning that I was assigned by the Lord to come and be with you. Uh, and what that means, so I don't want to get too like oogly-woogly. You can interpret that however you will. Um, have you ever heard of the phrase kairos time? The Greek word kairos the way that the Greeks thought about time that was a particularly uh, a moment of culmination, a moment of urgency, where your daily life, the time that we live in, 
changes. You enter something called liminal space, the space in between, the space in between human activity and divine encounter. Kairos time is when time feels different. Maybe you've had this in your lives. You're going about your daily life and all of a sudden there's a couple weeks of like crazy events in your life or crazy moments or an intimacy with God where you hear him clearer than you ever have before. Does that resonate with anyone? Kairos time. I, and this is where I don't want to get oogly-woogly, but I feel like this is a Kairos moment for community covenant this morning. Is that the things God has been speaking to me this morning, again, not knowing that I was going to be here this morning speaking with you, not prepared to do that, but I've been a missionary in this area for 10 years and I haven't met you yet. And I think that God has sent me here this morning with a word for you that you need to listen to. So I want you to be aware of today, the 24th of February, to be open to whatever it is that God has for you this morning. I'm going to speak a scripture over you, and then I'm going to pray. And when I speak this scripture over you, I'd like you to close your eyes. Because I want you to have a free-from-distraction moment to just say, I am here, God. The Bible says that the word is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it cuts right to the heart of the matter. And the scripture that God gave me just now during worship, I'm going to speak this over you from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. I just pray that you would have an open heart towards it for whatever God wants to say to you this morning. God says, my plans are not your plans nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans than your plans. Just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and don't return there without watering the earth, making it conceive and yield plants, and providing seed to the sower, and food to the eater, so is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want, and it accomplishes what I intend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can open your eyes. I'll pray real quick. Holy Spirit, thank you for this morning. Thank you for that word, God. Thank you for reminding us through the book of Isaiah of your cosmic glory. You are God. We are humans. Small, broken, getting by humans. And yet you deign from your glory to enter into our stories, our daily lives, God, and to weave this adventure <laughs> a kingdom calling for your glory, God. Lord, would your word do exactly what it has said it would do this morning and exactly what you want it to accomplish this morning. May the thoughts in my mind and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God. And we enter into this space and this time together. In your name, amen. Amen. Did you know that in this small corridor, of the country from Franklin to Hyannis, there are 50,000 college students. 
you guys know that? Yeah. And for whatever reason, throughout history, God has seen fit to move through student generations. Isn't that weird? Interesting? You can think of global moments in history, like Tiananmen Square, student revolution, Mexico City in the 70s, student revolution, civil rights movement, largely students, multiple revivals in his bride, the church, began with students. Why is that? I don't claim to know the answer to that, but I do have a couple ideas. And in part, I want you to either remember or imagine, depending on how old you are, what it was like to be 20 years old. You're at a point in your life where your mother and father or whatever guardians in your life have raised you, and you're 20 years old, you're sitting at a crossroads, looking out at the scape of your life before you. And I believe something about those young years of our life are a holy place. The Celts would call it a thin space where we can almost feel and taste God differently, where heaven feels almost tangible. It's a time in your life where you're sorting through who have I been and who will I become? What will I care about? What will I live my life for? Many students are taken up by the beauty of brave causes. But imagine if a student encountered the living God at age 20, how that would change the trajectory of their life and the generations and generations that follow them. And so for some reason in my own story, God has sent me to this corner of the world to work among students because we believe there's something strategic and critical about that generation that God is always birthing something new, maybe because there's just a naive openness, that God could use you, that you have a purpose, that you have gifts intentionally placed in you for his glory. When I was 13 years old, I experienced a bit of a spiritual revival at what I would now call a fundamentalist Bible camp in Michigan. <laughs> I was growing up in Europe at the time, uh, my parents raised us overseas. I am not a military brat, and I'm not a missionary kid. My father was a foreign correspondent, a journalist for the Associated Press. And I was raised in Paris and Amsterdam and Vienna, Austria. And at the age of 13, I experienced this personal revival in my faith where I came to know Jesus as Lord of my life. I started to hear God in prayer in ways I never had before. And fundamentally, the message that I understood when I read through this text was that we are sent with a purpose. And that the minute you wake up to the reality that there is a God, that God is alive, that God has come down in the person of Jesus, you understand there's actually a kingdom dream that God has to restore the world. The theologian N.T. Wright has coined it the already, not yet. Maybe you've heard that phrase. And it was so powerful in worship just before I came up here that we were speaking about Jesus having victory over strongholds, right? Jesus has come. Jesus has shown us through the shape of his life how we ought to live. Jesus has died. Jesus was buried. 
And Jesus, against all odds, resurrected from the dead. And hell shook. And with him and through him, we have access to the very power that can break evil strongholds in our lives, in our communities. And yet, and yet, 2019, more humans are in slavery today than ever were. Just now, the owner of the Patriots accused for hiring someone who is trafficked for sex. Racial injustice in our systems, racial segregation in our lives. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Jesus has had victory, and yet we live in the daily tension of the already and the not yet. As we long for what is said in Revelation of the day when there will be no more tears, where we will all worship the Lord, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, we will be reconciled to each other. Do you guys believe this? Yes. There will be a new heavens, yes, a new earth. Our bodies will no longer be broken. Cancer will no longer have the final say. What are we to do in our lives in this in-between? And I believe a huge part is to believe that God is alive. God is fundamentally present, speaking, inviting, calling out to you in your daily lives. And he is on campuses across Southeast Mass as well. And we are seeing moves of the Holy Spirit remind us that God is the God who lives. God is the God of presence. So since I didn't really get to prepare for today, we're going to do this old school and go open up our Bibles, not, our, not my iPad or whatever, to Exodus 33. We're going to read verses 12 to 17. I'll give you a moment. This is a time in the people of God's history where they have been taken out of oppression and slavery, and they are headed towards freedom. And Moses is the unlikely leader called to lead the way. They're headed towards the promised land. It just so happens that the promised land is not neutral. It's contested space. Someone's already living there, and they are large and terrifying. And so Moses is a little unsure of how this is all going to go. He understands he is sent. He understands that freedom is on the horizon. But he is terrified of where they are going and how they're going to see God's promises come to fruition. So read with me. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you've been telling me, lead these people forward, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. Yet you've assured me, I know you by name and think highly of you. Now if you do think highly of me, show me your ways so that I may know you and so that you may really approve of me. Remember too that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, I'll go myself, and I will help you. 
And then Moses replied, if you won't go yourself, don't make us leave here. Because how will anyone know that we have your special approval, both I and your people, unless you go with us? Only that distinguishes us, me and your people, from every other people on the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do exactly what you've asked, because you have my special approval, and I know you by name. So what are we to do in the already not yet? When it feels like the Friday that Jesus died on, where the hero is crucified, there's really no hope or visible proof that things are going to get better. What do we do? What do we do in our daily lives where our neighbors won't talk to us? (laughs) When there's gossip in our community? When political divisiveness is at its peak? What do we do? And God says throughout Scripture, I will send my presence. My presence is the promise. I love this moment. It's very honest because initially God was not going to go with Moses. He was like, trust me, go. But there's a real relationship there where Moses says, no one will know we're any different if we don't have the power and the presence of the living God that's with us and before us. And friends, I think that's true today. Is that you might be living your daily life in sort of a dry spiritual understanding. Sure, God's real. Sure, I'm saved by grace through faith. I've learned some Sunday school stories. I've faithfully come to church. I tithe 10% of my income. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to impregnate those spaces of your life with his presence. He wants to know you face to face. In fact, he has given you assignments. Assignments in his kingdom. Do you know that? Do you believe that? In your offices, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, God has gone before you. He has prepared good works for you to do, not for your glory. And this is where I think we get tripped up, is we confuse the American dream with the kingdom of God. My friends, they are not the same. They are not the same. Please, do not drink that cup, for it is bitter. It is bitter indeed. We are invited instead to pledge allegiance to Jesus as Lord and Savior. That changes everything. That means my job, my children, my house, my cars are for his kingdom, his glory. That means however many days I have on this earth are precious. And they are not for me to binge out on Netflix at the end of the day. They're not. That's fine sometimes, okay? Don't get legalistic with me here. But fundamentally, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And when you're in it, when you're reading the scriptures, guys, when you're near to Jesus, it's a hard call. It is a hard call. There's this moment, it's my favorite moment in scripture. A bunch of people are following Jesus, and Jesus starts talking about people eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And it's starting to get very, like, zombie, vampire. Like, people are like, this is weird. I don't understand. 
And a bunch of people are like, I'm out. I don't know who this guy is. This is very odd. And the disciples, Jesus turns around and he's like, are you gone too? Is this too much for you? And they say, to whom else will we go? Only you have the words of life. Who else are we going to go to? Only you. Do we believe that in our daily lives? Friends, it is so hard to live in this American suburban culture and be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so easy to get comfortable and confused with what the plot is. We are called and set apart as God's people. And how are we different? We're different because God dwells with us. He's alive. He tells us and gives us discernment. Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I talk to this person? Should I not? God, what do you have for me today? What is this one precious day for you in your kingdom going to be like? It is the narrow way for a reason, right? It is a costly invitation. But I have to tell you, in my very limited experience, it is the best way to live. I want to tell you a couple stories of how I've seen this flesh out in my life, real quick. When I came here from Austria, I was a plucky little freshman. I only got into one college that I applied to, Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts. So here's your girl coming from Vienna, Austria, from gilded palaces to honeydew donuts. <laughs> it was not where I wanted to be, put it that way. But I really had a sense, like, God, you've called me to this place, so show me who's here, what's going on. And there was a chapter of InterVarsity on my campus, and I got involved. And over my four years, God called me into some of the craziest relationships. He put on my heart the LGBT community. I embedded myself in that community as a missionary for four years, loving friends who felt completely hurt and irreparably damaged by the church. Loving, listening, blessing, being present in very hard and frankly very awkward conversations. I saw people who I never would believe would study the Bible were so full of cynicism, be eager to get around Jesus and to understand who is this God. I saw people who had generational chains of anxiety and depression be free from that. I later went on to plant a student movement at Bridgewater State, and it was one of the craziest five years of my life. It felt like the book of Acts. We saw 60 students come to faith on that campus in just a couple years, but it was crazy, and it was chaotic, and I felt very ill-equipped for the task. Why did we see that? Oh, man. A couple things. One, there were people on that campus, church partners, who believed in the power of prayer. And they prayed over that campus before I got there. They believed in spiritual warfare. I know that freaks us out sometimes. But they believed that there are demonic strongholds that are keeping people in Southeast Mass from knowing Jesus. And they prayed in the authority of the risen Christ. So by the time little old me got to campus with my backpack, John the Baptist style, being like, the kingdom of the Lord is coming, repent, believe. I did a little cooler than that, I swear. Uh, by the time I got there, that ground was tilled, right? The soil was ready. God's presence was there. The church partnered with me. They prayed out all that gunk 
so that students would be open to the gospel. And we saw so many crazy stories, but we also saw a lot of failure. This, this life with Jesus is very messy. And there's a reason why in the parable of the sower and the seed, you know, when the farmer is scattering seed, have you ever thought about the math in that parable? One out of four land on good soil. One out of four. That means 75% fails. I think there's something that's happened to us in this corner of the country where maybe you've tried and you've seen failure. Maybe you've tried to share who Jesus is with a neighbor or a friend. Maybe you've been a part of a community and there's been so much church hurt that we balk at the first seed that doesn't bear fruit. And we say, I'm done. I'm out. And I really believe that God is reviving us in Southeast Mass. And he wants to build in you a perseverance and a theology of abundance. I had a student at Bridgewater, we'll call her Amy. She grew up in a church just like this. When she was sent off to college, the pervasive mentality was, pray for Amy because campus is going to be rough and we hope she holds on to her faith by the end of those four years. So she went into the campus thinking, man, i got to just hold on to my Christian faith in spite of this place. What a scarce mentality. What a mentality that has no imagination for the limitless resources of the kingdom of God. As she and I worked together, and we took risks and pressed into very awkward conversations with her friends, her faith grew and grew. And by her senior year, she said something that's always stuck with me. She said, Aaron, when I first came here, I felt like my faith, I had to hold on to it in spite of the campus, but then I realized that my faith was for the campus. God sent me. I'm not here as a spiritual refugee. I'm here as a missionary. I am here to be light in the darkness. I believe that God's presence goes before me and around me. My life is not an accident, and neither is yours. It is not an accident that God sent me from Europe to Southeast Mass to preach to you. It is not an accident that you are here at Community Covenant. I don't know what your daily lives are like, but I do know that God has more for you than you are asking of him. I know he has more intimacy, more breakthrough, and most importantly, that there are the poor and the lost in our neighborhoods that are being completely neglected by the church. Friends, that is on our blood. That is on us. Will you take up the call to be so in love with Jesus that it spills out of your life? Will you wake up that the American dream is not the same as the kingdom of God, friends? There are places maybe of nuanced overlap. I'll give you that. But writ large... They are very, very different trajectories. One is downward. They who lose their life will find it. And the other is forced upward. <laughs> I will pull myself up by my bootstraps. Friends, what will it be for you in the days that God has given you? As the poet Mary Oliver said so beautifully, what will you do with your one wild and precious life? That's what I have to ask for you today. It is never too late to say, God, I've gotten distracted. There are things in my life that overwhelm me. I need you to speak to me, to give me faith, to show me my purpose in your kingdom. 
at the end of this morning, Michelle and I are going to be up here to pray over you. Because frankly, I don't, I'm not really interested in you sitting here this morning and saying, wow, that girl said something cool. I really want you to encounter the living God. I want you to know that God has you here for a purpose. And I want you to know that God is moving on campuses in Southeast Mass, and we need your help. We need people who are praying, who are supporting, who are partnering, coming on campus, praying with us. We need people that when, by the time students come to your church, welcome them with open arms and don't say, hide from that evil campus, but say, let's get you deeply rooted so we can send you back out to that campus to be a light for his kingdom. We need you. So I'm going to invite up Michelle. She's going to share a couple stories. Um, And then afterward, I'm going to come back up and we're going to lead a time of prayer response for anyone who feels moved by the Spirit today uh, to say yes again to Jesus. I'm going to pray over you, Michelle, before I leave. (laughs) Lord, thank you for Michelle. Thank you for this missionary that you've sent right here to Community Covenant. God, thank you for the ways that you raise up voices to wake us up, to remind us of what it's about. God, we need you. We long for you in this tired and weary land where there is no water. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you pray through Michelle's stories, God? And um, Yeah, I just know that you're moving in this room right now. So I just pray for the people for whom they are feeling that, they are sensing that in their mind and in their spirit, that they would act on it, God, in obedience. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, good morning, church. Thank you, Erin. Um, So my name is Michelle Cash. My husband Daniel and I have been attending and serving here at Community Covenant. And I'm also on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship right here in Southeastern Mass. Um, So, yeah, my story is kind of similar in a way, going to Bryant University in Smithfield, Rhode Island. As a Christian student, I was looking for Christian community. And God ended up just overwhelming my expectations. He opened my eyes to see that my time in college was so much more than just getting the good grades and getting an internship and a job. But he placed me there for a reason, to be on mission with my peers. He loved my roommates. He loved my classmates. And he put me there for a reason. And so, yeah, I'm just going to be sharing some stories um, about why, why college students, why, why should we care about them? Um, but also how God has just been faithful. Um, yeah, right here in Southeastern Mass, there's close to 50,000 college students, as Aaron said. Um, and it's just such a pivotal point in a young person's life. They're already asking those questions about their identity and their purpose, and often are open to exploring faith in Jesus. And so, as InterVarsity, we long to see students and faculty transformed by Jesus, campuses renewed, and world changers developed. And so, currently, we're at Wheaton College, Bridgewater State, Dean College, and UMass Dartmouth. Um, But yeah, the theme of today is we're just praying for more (laughs) from God. We want to see communities on every corner of every campus for students to hear the name of Jesus. Um, And it's funny that Erin chose to talk about Exodus 33 today um, because at the beginning of the year, a few students and I were spending some time in scripture and prayer together at UMass Dartmouth. And we were reading Exodus 33, and we were just so struck by Moses asking the Lord, show me your glory. We were just so struck by that boldness. 
And so we started to pray, and we were like, Lord, we don't want to go do outreach on this campus if you're not going to come with us. And we just saw him show up in such powerful ways and conversations on campus. We had opportunities to pray for students and share the gospel. And also, he's calling students to start things on new corners of campus. Um, this picture is Lydia and Osa started a nursing community for nursing students to do life together and explore who Jesus is. So it's so cool to see how God is using those little faithful steps of obedience. Um, there's three student stories I'd love to highlight. Um, Christian, Austin, and Selah. Christian's a senior at UMD. Last year in prayer, um, Christian was just sensing from the Lord to start something in the amphitheater that's kind of in the middle of UMass Dartmouth. This is this grassy outdoor amphitheater. And that vision came to fruition this past fall. And he just united Christians on campus to pray for the campus. There was a time of prayer, worshiping the Lord in the middle of campus. And students came to know him that night. And it's just so cool to see how God is using Christian at UMass Dartmouth to unite people in prayer. He's faithfully showing up week after week to pray for God's kingdom to come at UMass Dartmouth. Another student, his name is Austin, is a freshman. And at the beginning of the year, Austin was showing up to different events on campus, just kind of taking it all in. He was very quiet. And I asked him, Austin, what's your spiritual background? And he just kind of shrugged, and he was like, oh, I don't really have one. But he really wanted to come with us to fall conference in October. And at fall conference, during a time of prayer, Austin said that he felt like a burden was lifted off of his shoulders, and he decided to follow Jesus. And it's just so beautiful to see post-fall conference during our Bible studies, the once really quiet Austin was sharing what he was seeing in the text. He exclaimed one time, um, oh, I finally get it. It's like, with Jesus, all things are possible. So God is revealing his truth to Austin. And there's another student, last but not least, that I'd love to share with you about. Her name is Selah, and she's a freshman at Dean College in Franklin, Massachusetts. And Selah feels like God has sent her from South Carolina to Dean College in Franklin to be on mission with her peers. God has just been opening doors for Selah to pray with her roommates. She's a dancer, and in her classes, she's been able to share about God with her dance instructors even. And week after week, she's faithfully inviting friends to this Friday Bible study in the campus center. And last week, one of her friends came by, and she was like, oh, this is her friend Ellie. She said, I'm going to leave once you guys start all that religious stuff. And then as we started, you know, taking out, just reading about Jesus, she was like, you know what, I think I'll stay. This makes me feel good. This is this last Friday. And because Selah faithfully invited this friend, Ellie was able to hear about Jesus that week and was sharing what she was seeing about who Jesus is. And so... As staff, I, I personally, I love being able to pour into students like Selah. They're really the missionaries on these campuses. They're the ones that are there at two in the morning having heart-to-hearts with their roommates. And um, you can just hop to the next slide. Um, yeah, our vision really is to see multi-ethnic witnessing communities in Southeastern Mass that are prayer-centered, risk-taking, and justice-seeking. But we can't do this without you. <laughs> and we can't do this without the Lord. We need to be dependent on him. 
Um, so if you felt God tugging on your heart at all, um, yeah, we're just inviting you to be a part of God's mission with us through giving, advocating, praying, and serving. And especially, I know community groups right now are talking about the kingdom of God and brainstorming some ways to be a part of God's kingdom together. And I'd love to just invite you to come and prayer walk a campus with us. Um, yeah, we just need to be covering these campuses in prayer. So yeah, as Erin said, I'm, I'm just gonna close this out in prayer. And at the end, if you would like to pray with us, if you feel like God's moving, come and we'll, we'll pray with you after. And then we'll be out in the back. Um, please fill out a contact card so we can just keep you up to date on what's happening on campus. Um, yeah, let me pray for us. Yeah, Father, Lord, you are so good. God, we thank you that you just opened up doors today to give a message that wasn't planned, Lord. We thank you that you're alive and you're moving. We thank you for how you're moving through Community Covenant in this season. In Jesus' name, amen.